Hi everyone, just before we begin this podcast, I would like to mention our brilliant sponsor, ANL Goodbody. ANL Goodbody is a leading Irish corporate law firm and one which really recognizes the importance of their graduate recruitment program. They have recently been voted the most popular graduate employer in law for the 10th year in a row. If you are looking for the chance to develop your career in a supportive, innovative and collaborative environment, ANL Goodbody can provide this in a modern, exciting, diverse and friendly surrounding. And I would really recommend you check out their graduate recruitment opportunities. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Grad Life podcast. Today, we are joined by India Healy O'Connor. India has just left her job at Goldman Sachs to become a female founder, founding a fintech company, which is based around cashless payments. India, it is great to have you on the podcast. Thanks very much, Finn, for having me on this podcast. Nice one. <laughs> right, to kick it off, will we uh, start with your time in Trinity? Can you tell us about what you studied there and what you liked about it? Yeah, so I started in Trinity in 2014. I studied BESS and ultimately specialised in economics. I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I went into university so I decided I'd go with a fairly general degree and kind of figure it out from there um yeah I I really enjoyed Trinity I met a lot of interesting people I got to study in uh Barnard College the it's basically the girls university of Columbia um university in New York so that was an amazing kind of opportunity to have like live in upper west side meet a lot of different people like eccentric people interesting people smart people and it's a completely different culture there life's a lot more fast-paced and I feel like society there is kind of a few years ahead probably of, of everyone else and um, so that was a great experience and that was only really possible obviously because I was in Trinity and they had such a good uh, network with other um, foreign universities. Uh, I forgot you were in New York. Pardon? I forgot you did that stint in your in Yeah, New York. yeah, I know. I did for like I think about six months because I'd also done a J one the summer beforehand. And did you fall in love with the city like everybody else does when they're there? Yeah, I mean it was it was it was amazing. Unfortunately, I wasn't twenty one for the majority of it. So that was a bit stressful. Oh wow, that's yeah, yeah. that is annoying. But um, but it was yeah, it was really good and. I like I actually lived ironically with like a lot of girls from India who all kind of thought that our like room uh, admin kind of had a sense of humor obviously sticking me in with everyone else but it actually meant we all kind of got on very well it was like a nice softener into like because you basically get placed with like this group of friends so you're kind of hoping they accept you into their group to some extent um so that was great and yeah I actually really want to go back on a trip um now that the borders are are have reopened um but yeah Trinity was like a great experience and then all my sister where my, my sisters all went as well so it was quite fun when I was on campus kind of at the same point as them that's cool and then any societies you're involved in there or any internships that you did that had a big impact on you so I was in the SMF um telecoms sector we actually won a, a pitching competition whilst we were in there. It was really good. Like it was, you know, I, what was great about that society was actually just meeting other people who were in kind of like interested in the finance world and who were doing the interviews, who knew the processes, that kind of thing. So like Simon, for example, was a great um, help to me. And you just had fantastic resources kind of at your disposal. And if you like, 
put yourself out there obviously and try to connect with people um you could probably you know hopefully get yourself a spring internship or a, or a summer internship or whatever you were kind of after from it so that was really the main society I probably was a part of um in in university and from being a part of that society is that what kind of shaped you with your initial desire to go down the, the banking route yeah so so there so actually I went to Mount Anvil and there were actually a few girls who had joined Gullman kind of over the years um and I kind of knew one of them personally and she had said look I think this would be a great career for you I think you'd really like it I didn't know what I wanted to do um I, I knew I liked maths I liked economics etc so she was kind of like look these things probably like what's involved in the role will pique your interests so I like looked into it more I applied for the spring internships I got Goldman and Morgan Stanley so I did both of both of those it's like three weeks in London and then subsequently was offered the summer internships with both went with Goldman uh, because they'd offered it um, first to be honest and I'd done their spring first um, and yeah it was great I found it hard to know what what role exactly in in like sales and trading I wanted to go into and ultimately went into the hedge fund interest rate sales role uh, because I really liked the team my boss was Irish and I got on extremely well with him and um, it had it had like intensity fast pace but it was you know it was technical it was very involved in like what you read in the papers um, what central bank kind of um, decision making is in that point in time it was affected by politics so it was quite a macro uh, landscape which probably suited my background um, quite well and then I like liked the idea of being able to speak with your clients um, make connections with them so yeah it was it was it was a great like the internship is extremely intense and um, it's you know you're on the ball for for 10 weeks but I suppose like if you go in kind of with open eyes, you're willing to work hard, you'll kind of find, you'll figure out if it's for you or not for you. And then you'll also like find the role that kind of suits you most within it. Um, but yeah, so I guess that was kind of like, I kind of went through the natural pipeline of, of going into investment banking. Yeah, Golden sort of has this um, kind of cliched reputation of being the sort of sink or swim place where interns have to do kind of 15 hour days and some people dive into it and hate it and burn out and others just kind of get on with it and, and decide this is the career for them. And despite the stress that comes with it, they, they want to persist with this. How did you find it after the internship? When I started working or just after the internship? Just after the internship. Oh, um, well, like I think probably every single internship is relatively uh, in banking anyway. It's, it's competitive because you have a lot of people who want to get a job there. You know, it's, you generally are working with like very smart people. You work at a very reputable firm. So in terms of your opportunities as life goes on, you know, it adds a lot of gravitas to your CV because it's like, wow, okay, you work there. So you like kind of do have to hit a certain standard to work in these places. So like you do yourself a lot of favors, kind of, you know, setting yourself a high bar, making sure like you work hard and when you're younger, I think it's probably the right time to do it because you don't have the same responsibilities, you have more energy, et cetera. Um, but like the great thing about sales and trading is 
you have a very intense day, but once the market's closed, like the markets are closed. So then, I mean, you do your own reading, your own learning, you might meet clients, etc. in the evening, but there was no like, look, it's Friday night and you're going to have to stay in all weekend and, you know, do this work for me or anything like that. Like, so in, in that sense, it's actually a great job to go into because the markets are shut at the weekend. It's really up to you on independent reading or prep you want to do, but like, there's no need for you to stay up until like 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. and um and do do work uh kind of like no one's forcing you to do that so mm. if it, like whilst the day is intense and whilst what I think about that actually is it it's really good at like um it's like training it like makes you very good at working and like trying to just be as efficient as possible and get your stuff done and in like a certain time range um so, which is kind of very useful to be honest in any job you're looking to get into because it's quite nice if even if you start early that like you could leave like on a quieter day maybe you can leave at six or you leave at seven or whatever but you can have a dinner plan that kind of a thing and like you're still you know doing a, a good job you're still adding a lot of value to the firm generating revenue etc so um that's so like, yeah, I guess the internship's intense just because you also have the added pressure of trying to get a job. But then once you get it, you're kind of like, God, I'm happy. I at least put my best foot, foot forward there. Um, That's a pretty good pitch for uh, why to pursue a job in, in sales and trading. What yeah. did you not like about the job? Um, there wasn't really anything I didn't like about the job. I suppose I... Uh, I really liked the job. I really liked my team. I was probably just ready to see a different side of the business, like learn a few different skills. Um, I was always kind of interested in this contactless payment space. So I'd like Goldman, for example, have Marcus, which is their um, kind of consumer bank. So I always thought that was interesting or maybe even looking more at the like Bitcoin currencies, et cetera. Um, so I kind of wanted to like, I suppose just, branch into a slightly more like payments focused role rather than a financial markets focused role just to kind of because you kind of see what happens at that part in the bank so to see the other roles and functions of a bank I thought that would be interesting um and so basically after I'd become associate I suppose I was like okay hey, well kind of hit the point where you decide okay I'm sticking with sales and training for the next few years and that's what I'm going to do and then I'll maybe make a career pivot when I'm kind of more senior if you know what I mean or maybe I'll make the jump when I'm at this point where I don't have strings I don't really have responsibilities if it doesn't work it doesn't work but um it's kind of like the least stressful time to do it uh the other thing I suppose is I would fly a lot between Dublin and London. So I kind of wanted to have a little bit more flexibility in terms of being able to work from Dublin as well as London. Um, so those are kind of probably the main things. From my time of knowing you, I always knew you were very ambitious and very driven, but I always thought you were gonna sort of pursue banking for the majority of your career. I never would have pointed you out as an entrepreneur. When did you realize that you had the skill set to be an entrepreneur and that this was a path that you wanted to go down? Um, I suppose I don't even know now. Like, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur because I started my own business, but I'm not sure 
it was every case of like, okay, I have the skill set that's needed to do this. I basically had. I guess I'd maybe not necessarily even the, the no, skill set, no, no, but, but just the, the the initiative. But like, the, there's a there's a definite yeah, yeah. person that's an entrepreneur, the definite person that's not an entrepreneur. When did you realize you had that kind of initiative of like, okay, I'm going to go do this by myself, which is an incredibly brave thing to do. Well, I think what I'd always find was I'd had I'd like throughout my years when I was younger, I'd always had ideas, and then you know when you're in school you like I wasn't I didn't think you could pursue them because I need to do my junior third and my leaving third etc and I'd always find it frustrating when I then saw those ideas play out by someone else and then someone else was successful with them and you're like god why didn't I just go for it or just do it or you know when you're younger you have the excuse look I'm in school it wasn't my time but I did actually have the idea before it left necessarily was like available um and then essentially what happened was I had this idea it started off obviously as like contactless tips um I was at a comedy club it was pre-covid like back in 2019 with Ross actually and um the barman I bought around drinks and the barman had this sign up saying feeling tipsy and an empty tip jar and I had no cash on me and there hadn't been any option to like leave a tip or anything and I was like, God, I wish there was some way I could tip him because I thought his sign was funny and uh, I appreciated the humor, basically. And so then I was like, God, wouldn't it be great to have contactless tips? Now, COVID hadn't happened. So I'd only, and I hadn't really like explored it with, you know, um, basically the end user. Uh, but I suppose there was still enough cash in circulation that it didn't seem like it was going to really take off or like necessarily work and then but it was always in my mind and then when COVID happened I was like okay like it makes sense now to go after this just because people don't even not even that they're not carrying cash they don't even want to touch it anymore so um so yeah I was like look I'll kick myself if in a year's time I see loads of people with all these apps and I could have done it myself so that was probably ultimately what pushed me towards doing it but I am someone who likes structure and likes you know security and obviously it was extremely difficult to leave such a good job but like Goldman were extremely supportive really really actually nice about it and um I think they were kind of like look it's kind of a natural point when you might want to try something so it was like left on very good terms and I'm sure like I hope this works but if it doesn't it's probably the industry I would ultimately um end up back in just because I'm still kind of in payments. So it's probably always going to be finance within which I'm involved. That's a pretty solid plan B to have in place in case all goes badly. <laughs> if they'll take me back. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk us through the process of having the idea to set up a cashless app and then actually putting that into action and having having an app to show for it. Yeah, I mean, like the one I, I, something I'm bad at like for recognizing myself is how anything you achieve, like everyone assumes it's easy to do something and actually until you do it you're like god it's actually not that easy or well I look at all the work that went in to get to the point you're at so say when you're in Goldman you're like yeah I'm in Goldman but then to an outsider looking it's like but that's amazing that you're in there you know that's an amazing firm it's tough to get in and you kind of forget that because you're in the environment and you're in the process and you just think this is quit pro quid pro quo whatever that phrase is you know like this is just like this is like my routine and then um and then uh you so you start this business and you're like oh yeah I'll just you know start it off and then a huge amount of work goes in in terms of like 
trying to have your name, have your like www dot your um uh what you want the app to look like how you want the pages to work like simple things like is there a back button how will the consumer get back from this page how will they x out of this page what colors do you want to use um so then you go through that kind of whole design process then you have the coding process which we like had a like an agency basically um help us with the with the coding um and you know like that's great but like you know that takes time and you have to obviously develop all that relationship out and then you have you know so, your, so you outsource that element of it of the of the software building yeah because i wouldn't have um coding the coding skills necessary to um build an app basically and, and how did you find an agency to do it for you i had i had a like a contact who worked a friend who worked in one so it was kind of easy enough to were they based in the UK? No, no, they're based in Ireland. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So okay. it, just, it just seems like every early stage startup now outsources straight to Ukraine, finds some really talented but uh, cheap labor out there, and they build the initial sort of MVP for them. Yeah, I mean, I guess our, we kind of initially started with one idea and then slightly altered the app and stuff. So it was kind of handy having it as in, in Ireland just because it was easy to like constantly get in contact with people on that kind of thing. And I also wanted to make sure it was, now in fairness, I haven't looked into Ukraine, so that probably is great quality, et cetera, but at least I knew they had worked with reputable firms, they'd built good products. So I knew like we weren't gonna be left with something that was really bad or like, you know, not really usable at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I suppose maybe like something we will ultimately want to do is like start to build a lot of things in-house. So um we'll probably need to look further afield or figure out how we want to structure that but um yeah and then you have like the selling of your product itself and that is i'd have to say like that's some experience like you're going into places you're saying hey at the start when you're literally not like you're in a few places because you you know there's salons you go, have gone to for x years there's restaurants or cafes you've gone to who know you trust you are willing to give you a chance it's when you're going into like places you've never been to before or who don't know you and you're like trust me use my product i swear it's gonna work and you know some people are really receptive really keen to use it like really grateful because they're like you've solved a huge issue for us and then some people are like no i'm not interested or i don't like it or you know and um some people say that in a nice way and some people say that in a less nice way but it's great like it because it just it toughens you up it it um it gets you kind of ready i guess for the business the business world but to be fair like most places we've gone to have been very like kind receptive positive about the product and you know willing willing to give it a go at least um which has been good but that's probably in some ways the harder the hardest part is when you're doing the hard sell was that your sales process at the beginning just literally going in on foot to cafe salons and saying this is my app check it out it could benefit for these yeah. reasons yeah basically i mean i i think i was lucky because i obviously worked in sales so my boss and in fairness the senior sales people would always say god all these younger people all they want to do is chat to people they don't want to pick up a phone they don't want to meet someone in person and it's amazing how much better business you do when you do that so he'd like drill that into me for three years 
So I was very aware, like the best, like look, so like contacting people on social media or on email is also required. Like you have to do it, but there's nothing like going into someone, them seeing you making that connection and then hope, hopefully it like transitions in, into a sale. But I definitely think you kind of have to, you have to do it at the beginning because they don't know who you are. But also it's just a good way of building kind of relationships as well. And people feel a bit more of a responsibility to get back to you or to contact you. Whereas, you know, if there's no face to an action, you don't feel the same um, obligation, I guess, to people. Sorry, I just want to backtrack a bit to the agency that helped develop Zelda. In terms of the UI and the whole sort of UX around it, did they come up with that entirely themselves or did you have any idea of what you wanted the app to look like? Did you give them sort of a basic pitch of this is what we want, can you make this for us? Or was it like, we need a cashless payments app, go make whatever you want? Um, to be honest, like the end, like they would have kind of told us different pages that are involved in creating the app, like the flow you need. So they kind of created, I guess, the basic flow. And then we actually, uh, I uh, really developed that out, to be honest, like in terms of how it should look, extra pages, extra functionality. So ultimately, like, what, I was designed on our end. And then that, they, that's pretty impressive because like you've no experience in designing an interface whatsoever. How did you know what you wanted it to look like? Uh, you, we looked at a lot of other apps okay. to kind of see what we liked about them, what we didn't like about them. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard. Like you're you look at it now and you're like, oh, there's these things I can change. But you you kind of just learn it to some extent as as you're going to try and just figure out um, how do other apps, for example, have their login page? That was kind of a big thing. Um, how do other apps? What I really wanted to make sure was it was relatively simple to navigate just because sometimes I feel and look like you want your app to always have more functionalities and kind of be a powerful tool for someone. But it's important to always make sure like it's fairly clear to the person how they get to the end point that they're looking to find and like it's easy to find the buttons you're looking for, etc. Um, but yeah, like even when we built it and then we were like, you know, we, we did kind of then speak with obviously the agency guys and say, okay, like, are we missing any buttons here? Should there be a back button there? Should there be an X there? Should there be a pop-up here? Um, so it, it was definitely it, kind of more iterative as we were just like finalizing it to make sure it would all work. Um, and then even when you develop it, you kind of, and you kind of get feedback, et cetera. And you're like, okay, these are things we could add in, things we haven't thought about but like all like extras that add to the experience. So that's good. So who were you speaking to at the beginning for the market research? Were you approaching salons and saying, I'm thinking about creating this app. What do you think? Or were you approaching cafes and saying, what do you think of this as an idea? And then going back to the, the agency and saying, this salon said this, this cafe said this. So can we make these changes from here? We had, I mean, like, so we basically had started building and designing the app ourselves based on, how can someone receive contactless payments as seamlessly as possible, like track them, it be their own mini business to some extent. Um, and like, well, ensure obviously that that process always remained quite simple for people. And then we had designed out like the basic functionalities, kind of what you need your app to have. And then we spoke, yes, with a few restaurants, um, owners of hair salons to kind of check that they also believed in the idea saw that there was a need in the market for it and 
they were all like keen to have it and then they would kind of suggest extras they'd like or that kind of thing so they're things we look at like as a future but um add on but um yeah like we got enough kind of positive feedback from people who were like yeah we'd actually like to use this that then we were kind of convinced we'd at least built something that you know had was a viable product really how did you land on the name zelda um well we wanted something that was that could mean anything in the way you know how did google come up with google if you know what i mean like it, it didn't it google could have been anything so um we wanted zelda to not be tied down to any specific function so actually because our initial name was was tipsy and whilst it was you know like kind of a cute name you're kind of more restricted to tips and just like you're obviously restricted to payments then but in the us or in a lot of places tipsy can be seen in a negative light rather than in kind of maybe the lighthearted way we had originally viewed it so um that was obviously scrapped uh we wanted something like had female identity um and then we had the x there to make it to give that uh like relationship to um like exchanges fx transactions um so we kind of thought you know we want zelda basically to be part of everyone's exchanges in life um and to remove kind of barriers uh that exist for people who want to receive payment what stage of funding are you guys at have you done a seed round and is now the next stage a series a or are you kind of bootstrapping for as long as possible uh it's been a mix of like bootstrapping and pre-seed and we'll probably be looking at doing like a bigger seed round um okay. soon i suppose there yeah. are obviously a couple of competitors in the Irish market already in StrikePay and Tipjar. How do you differentiate from both of them? And why do you think your service is, I guess, superior to both of them? Um, well, I think that StrikePay and Tipjar, they're like other, well, StrikePay is Irish, Tipjar is, I guess, a UK founded company. Um, well, Zelda's female founded, which is one different Um and uh, we're app-based, obviously, whereas they are uh, web apps. I think as a result of how we're structured, it means it's like what we hope is like to be able to add a lot of features to the app such that it becomes a very useful tool for, for the people who use it. Um, it's also quite nice, like you have your wallet, it's very easy to track the tips you've made in a day. You know, you get your notification when someone's tipped you you get your notification at the end of the day of how, how well you've done today well done like you've raised let's just say 20 euro in tips today so we kind of like personalize the messages we say like send out like notifications like hope you're having a good day like hope you get loads of tips or whatever that kind of thing to try and like interact with the customers so that they have a nice experience when they're using zelda there's also like a lot of personalization with our codes which you don't have with with them um, those other um with our competitors so you can create as many qr codes as you like um you can for example so you can have like your tip qr code your donate qr code your pay qr code um in case you're working in different industries or you're working a few jobs or you find like you're using the app for different parts of your businesses um and you know you can like completely personalize if you want to show percentages amounts default amounts add your images um and you can constantly change these things as well uh you can also like very easily from the app share your link with people so 
if you're running kind of a mini business it acts a little bit like a mini business account in, in that way and you can like you know um share the link on whatsapp share the link on instagram on your social media so um we've tried to make it like as replicating cash to some extent but now making it contactless so it's, it's quite you basically have like your payment terminal on your phone you just tap on the app and you can start receiving your payments how big is the market and how much of that do you think you can take all of it uh no <laughs> i mean like the, the uh like contactless payments is expected to grow to about 11 and a half trillion dollars uh in the next five years so you know at our core we're contactless payments we're obviously trying to get in with tips donations and general payments as well um so you know being able to capture a part of that would obviously be uh fantastic and i'm sure you saw it's been in the news recently and there was an article in the indo today but there will be new legislation introduced um around tipping to ensure restaurant staff you know actually receive their tips that it's not just a subsidy towards their wages and um that restaurants will have to like be clear in their policies etc so it's great that that sort of you know that those rules are being introduced to, to increase like transparency basically in the tipping world um it's definitely moving more cashless so you know there's obviously benefits to cash but if it is going more cashless for sure you need to have more transparency just because otherwise it goes into kind of a black box and no one's going to know what their tip was or, or what they should have um, received so I think we were hitting the market at, at a very good time for that um, and then obviously in, in some other industries where there's still a lot of tipping but it's not pooled um, in some of those industries they're actually like not accepting tips on card machines anymore so this is like to be honest a great option to make sure people don't miss out on revenue that they that they would otherwise kind of lose which sector do you see the greatest potential in do you think zelda will be seen as a tipping app a payments app or a donations app um still still pending to be honest like we're, we're, we've gotten quite a good reception in all three like ireland's a great place i mean to be honest we're mostly in dublin at the moment with the hope of obviously you know penetrating the rest of the country and then um growing further afield but it's a great place to kind of launch a product because you've you know a great society who are willing to adopt new technologies try new things um who are generally very friendly and very supportive so um it's actually been a very nice testing ground to use the app in and so we've had kind of success in all three at all three points um so i i suppose the next kind of few months will tell which one is kind of better to go in in focus more on initially but i mean the aim would really to, to be able to service all all things i mean i don't know why why not but um yeah obviously you need to kind of focus your um your funds and your uh, energy towards certain points at certain points in time. I presume your margins are pretty small at the moment. So in order for you guys to become a profitable company, you're going to have to scale pretty rapidly. What are your plans for global expansion? Um, well, like we hopefully go into the UK, obviously there's, they'd have a pretty large tipping culture and it's such a big country. So there's certainly parts, um, of it you can capture. Uh, the US is obviously a huge tipping market as well. And then um, in terms of like donations or payments, really you could go 
in wider Europe and further afield. The tipping is probably more concentrated in Ireland, UK, the US, um, but like the other functionalities of the app kind of applied to everywhere. So do you hope to expand your team then over the next few months so that you can move into those markets? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, hopefully we will be able to hire like a few engineers, salespeople um, to kind of get the name out there. The biggest challenges facing Zelda? Um, the biggest challenges facing Zelda, I think one is kind of, is time. You know, there's never enough time to get everything done in the day. Um, there's creativity is and ideas are obviously what you need to drive it but at the same time you just need to kind of like park them aside and make sure you're like developing out the ones you currently have uh then there's so much kind of regulation in the payment space so just making sure you're aware of it you're adhering to it um and then like competition obviously the payments market is competitive but i think uh there's still a lot of gaps a lot of people you can service so um, it's just making sure you're going into the niche that's not um, kind of totally saturated. But I mean, like you look at even all the taxi cab apps, you know, there's, you might have thought like, okay, Uber's there, so no one else can get in. And then there's like, whatever, like actually a load more that exists. And well, they uh, all- as you said, it's, it's the payments industry is potentially an $11 trillion market. So if yeah. I think yeah. there's room for, for a few more than, than one, exactly. one company. You get some part of that, you're doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, you mentioned there how time can be a bit of an issue because um, you can obviously just there's no limit as to how much you can be working on your company on, on a daily basis deal with that how do you kind of um, compromise going full on with Zelda and being uh, the only founder there being essentially the only employee there right now and I'm also sort of balancing a decent social life and, and not just working 24-7 um, I think I probably work fairly intensely during the week um, so that I can do something nice at the weekend if I want to or if I want to chill or whatever it is, at least I've earned a little bit of a break. But I mean, I think when you start a business, especially in its first year, because it's small, it's lean and you're constantly trying to like get your name and your product out there, it is just by nature very intense. But your hope is if I can like do this and get through this, then I'll actually have grown a product that's valuable, that's worth something. And then, you know, I can hire out a few people who I can share the load with as well. Um, But like, I love running. So I always get up in the morning, go for a run that clears my head. It kind of sets up my day nicely. And like, I'll read the papers and listen to the radio and that kind of thing in the morning. But sometimes you just need to have those little, you know, um, I guess, what, what would I call it? Like, uh you need to have structure and so if you can kind of hit those points you just feel good about hitting them and then you know on your friday evening you can have you know your chill movie and glass of wine and relax a little bit but uh yeah i think probably the first year is just a bit intense but i'm like it's also very different from when you worked at goldman where you have even though it's a stressful job you have job security does the stress of oh shit we haven't hit the necessary metrics we needed to hit this week or we didn't onboard those customers as well as we would have liked to and this company could fold in two or three weeks does that get at you at all or are you able to kind of park that aside and just say right it's the weekend now i'm gonna enjoy my weekend and deal with the stress of work on monday 
Um, I suppose you, you never really, you're kind of always switched on for the business. Um, so it never, I would like, I guess in terms of Saturday and Sunday, look, it's not as intense a day as Monday to Friday, but you're still always going to be kind of working away or tapping away at it. Um, and that means by doing that, you're kind of quite nicely set up then for when Monday comes and you don't feel like you have like this mountain of stuff to get through. Um, yeah, obviously it's like Gilman, you know, you had a great salary, great prospects, and then uh, you do start up your own business and it is a lot more nerve wracking. Um, will it work? Will it not work? But like, I suppose I always go back to um, this kind of thought process, which is like, okay, if it doesn't work, I'll find another job or I'll, you know, I'll go in somewhere else. It'll be fine. Like I'm not dead. It's not the end of the world. Like really, you know, it, it, it'll be disappointing. I'll be upset, but I'll survive. And then it's kind of like, but if it does work and I put all this like hard work in at the beginning, like, you know, your success has no limit. So you have a loss, which is capped and you have a success, which is uncapped. So, you know, like it kind of is a no brainer then to just go for it. That Whereas is a really, really good way of looking at it. I've never heard yeah. that, that explanation before, but I really like that. There's a loss that's capped and then there's the success, which is uncapped. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So when you keep just reminding yourself of that, you're like, just keep going. It'll be fine. <laughs> and do you think this experience of running your own company has given you that bug of potentially becoming a serial entrepreneur? So if Zella didn't work out, do you think you'd be tempted to go off and start another thing after? Or do you think you would just go back into banking? Yeah, I mean, I think I probably would um, maybe try something else again. Um, like, I guess that's the thing, you know, even within doing Zelda, like some things work, some things don't work, some approaches work, some approaches don't work. It's an iterative process and you have to be pretty dynamic, pretty flexible in terms of how you approach every day. So, uh, and it's something I've really enjoyed. And in fairness, I've enjoyed having to some extent, like the tech head on me, the sales head, the operations head, the finance head, whatever. So you've really got a good, like, surround kind of experience of what it's like to run a business um and I have enjoyed that so I suppose yeah I hope I don't have to get to that point but if I did I might actually like look at doing something else last few quick fire questions any other founders or female founders you admire um I, I like um the CEO of Bumble Whitney Wolf heard I admire her uh like she obviously initially joined Tinder and then started Bumble um, so she's and she's been incredibly successful uh, with her with her business and I like you know the brand she developed and when you think about it it's such a simple idea and it just you know took on steam very quickly so I think she's um, she's pretty uh, inspirational and then I would have to say like not that this is someone who's in the public sphere but my mum would be a, a huge um, idol of mine and she's a massive supporter and works has worked her whole life obviously to make sure we all grew up to be like you know generally sound people who had sort of good prospects and everything so um I think her like commitment to us and like encouraging us and supporting us was um very impressive and uh yeah I, I think that's probably the hardest job to try and raise five people to be you know nice people so um or hopefully nice people but like it's not an easy job basically and and she's just been amazing so 
she's she's very helpful with Zelda. So I have to give her a shout out. Well, from any of your sisters that I've met, I can also clarify she's done a very good job. So. Um, any advice you would give to others considering setting up their own business? Um, I would just say, like, go for it. Kind of my capped, uncapped analogy. If you don't go for it, your loss is capped. And if you go for it, it's uncapped. So, you know, if you've nothing to really lose, if you're, when you're young, especially, and you don't really have any responsibilities and you can throw yourself at it, why not? Because if you see someone else doing it in a year, two year, five years time, you'll just be kicking yourself that you didn't do it when you could have. Um, I think back yourself, self-belief is hugely important. You know, you'll have good days, you'll have bad days, you'll have people who tell you they don't like the idea, they don't believe in it. And you just have to make sure like you don't let you let that get you down. And then you will hopefully, you know, at the end of that day, actually meet somebody who's like, yeah, I want to use that. That solves the problem for me. And then suddenly all those kind of that negative feedback is is forgotten. You're like, hey, yeah, I need to just remember that this is servicing people. Just because like when you're doing it on your own and you're doing it day in and day out, um, you're going to hit your setbacks, but like always kind of have some way of getting through that and um, staying kind of positive about your has, has there been any particular high to date since working at uh, or since running Zelda that's really stood out being like, wow, this is this is why it's been worth it. This is this has made my decision worthwhile. Um, to be honest, like every time you onboard a new um, group or you know especially when you people onboarding and you, you don't recognize them or you don't know their names or that sort of a thing you just kind of feel like oh that's fantastic okay like the word spreading people people like it um or you know sometimes you, you get a text or an email from someone who said oh I really liked using the app I actually wonder could it work in this sort of a situation and you know it's it's quite nice getting that like well, I don't know what the word is for it but like when you get that sort of um non-direct feedback um and then I guess when, when you add a new feature it's like we added the share link and that was like quite cool adding that because people had kind of said is there a way I can just share my link a little bit more easily and like it it was just quite cool then when you see it in person um and yeah I guess like to be honest like we've just a lot of really cool people using Zelda at the moment so it's it's quite nice to have them all on board Last question we ask everybody on the podcast is any particular book they've read that's had a big influence on them? Uh, I mean, in terms of reading, I was always one for reading fiction and just getting lost in, in a book. Um, so... It could be your favourite ever book then. It doesn't have to have a big influence. Uh, well, I, I, like I love all the Jane Austen books, but okay. I'm, I'm not sure that they have influenced me in terms of uh, developing Zelda. Um, I always I read the FT and all the papers a lot, so I suppose they kind of inform a lot of my thought, thought process, to be honest. I, I just like to keep up to date on what's happening in the world. Any quotes you like to live by? Um, there's two I like. Uh, one is was one of my granddad's. And he would say sometimes the longest way around is the shortest way there. And then the second one I like is you miss every shot you don't take. Nice. And one of my favorite quotes after today is if you start your own business, your losses are capped, but your success is uncapped. I'm going to write that one down. Yeah. You can use that as a headline for this. Uh, <laughs> nice one. That can be my, uh, my token to everyone. <laughs> India, it's been great having you on. I've really enjoyed this. 
Great. Thanks very much, Finn. Thanks, Mel.